Welcome to this episode of the award-winning Best of the Left podcast. This is a sample of our recent bonus episode. Every couple of weeks or so, our crew of researchers, Amanda and myself, get together for a roundtable discussion. So here's a few minutes for free so you can see what all the fuss is about. Before we end, let's examine how right Amanda was when she said this. So there is this phenomenon that I have noticed where people on both the left and the right quote someone, or oftentimes I feel like it's George Carlin. For some reason, he's a common target (laughs) or a philosopher, like we've heard in this video, or just a quote from someone who that seems very wise and very concrete. And the two sides diametrically opposed will take the same quote or whatever it may be and put it on social media or write about it or whatever and say, see, this upholds everything that I believe. And they don't realize that the other side is doing the exact same thing with the exact same quote or piece of information. Jay was using the word ambiguous. I don't have a word to really describe this specific phenomena. It's not just two different people see the same thing in a different way. It's deeper than that on some level. Every time I encounter it, it makes my head spin because I'm trying to process, wait, 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 does this apply to what I believe or does this apply to what someone else that I don't agree with believes? And is it possible it applies to both? And like, I, I like spin out. <laughs> Because I'm just trying to make it make sense, and it doesn't. And often what I see, anyway, is something that the right takes and says, see, this upholds everything we believe. And I'm like, but you're missing so much context that you don't seem to want to look into, and you don't actually understand that what you've just quoted as upholding your beliefs is totally not supporting your beliefs. (laughs) That there is a little bit of this cherry-picking or like, just taking it out of context enough that they can say, I mean, a lot of times it happens with the constitution, right? Or like with founding fathers quotes, because they can pull that from something and say, see, this sentence upholds everything I believe. And then when you go back and you look at the full text, you realize that's not what they meant. (laughs) But it happens often enough and in with varying pieces of information or quotes or whatever, that I feel like it's part of our kind of current societal unrest. The fact that either we don't take the time to understand what something really means, like the true meaning behind something, or that we're just so desperate to find something that says, see, I'm right. I got this right. That we'll grasp at straws and don't have to think about it very much because we're in this kind of war right now where everyone has to say and prove that they're right about whatever they believe and try to persuade the other side. And this phenomenon is definitely not confined to George Carlin. Amanda mentioned George Carlin when she brought this up. And and since we hadn't heard of anyone else try to put their finger on this, we dubbed this the Amanda principle. But then just within the past few weeks, or months, the uh, you know HBO came out with a George Carlin documentary, and probably related to that. But I would argue this article could have been written with or without that 
documentary coming out, the New York Times wrote the article, The Strange Afterlife of George Carlin, which basically backs up everything Amanda was saying. Quote, but the durability of Carlin's material can be dangerous too. Dislocated from the time and circumstances that inspired his work, the arguments he delivered can be made to serve purposes he didn't intend. As those who were closest to him have learned, when he is unable to advocate for himself, he can be made to seem like he supported any opinion at all. It's a daily battle for me, said Kelly Carlin, the comedian's daughter. At first, I was like, I'll be the interpreter and tell them what I think he meant. And then I was like, this is not my job. It's like trying to push back a tidal wave sometimes. The continuing relevance of Carlin's material is partly a result of how he learned to compose and refine it over a career that spanned nearly 50 years. As Jay said, this isn't only exclusively about George Carlin, but I do think he's an interesting case study of this example because he, and I'll be totally honest with you, I was not, I did not know a lot about George Carlin. I had not watched a lot of his stand up. I knew, you know, some of his famous bits, but that's about it. We recently watched the documentary that was on HBO or is on HBO right now about him. And I had no idea how left-leaning he was. I mean, he was definitely a progressive of his time and was a counterculture comedian and, you know, continued on that path, railed against the police and corruption and (laughs) Reagan and Bush and the war in Iraq, et cetera. So, like, there's no question (laughs) that he was – everything he was saying was coming from a – I don't know, at least a left-leaning perspective, right? And I don't know where he'd fall exactly uh, today, especially because the world is really messed up. But that means, and and this is just an, a social media phenomena where people just see something, they see it removed from its context, they see maybe the correct quote attribution, but oftentimes it's not the right attribution. In fact, mentioned in this article was that oftentimes he is quoted with the incorrect attribution (laughs) or that, you know, someone, someone makes up a quote and says it's from George Carlin because it sounds better if it's from George Carlin. Right. So he's being used in that way. And I just find it super fascinating that he was very, very famous. A lot of people know who he was and what his deal was. And So you can't really blame it on just people like me who didn't really catch on to him because I was too young at the time. There are plenty of people who know who he is and they're still like, they see something and they agree with it and they share it and they have no understanding of the deeper context of it. And it's not hard either. I was looking at some examples recently to kind of, you know, talk about this and none of them were really perfect to, to share, but it's like, it's not even a complete misunderstanding of what is being said. It's more like a, I want to mash this and fit it into my box of my worldview. So it's not even like they've completely lost the understanding of it. There's a, there's a bit he does about human rights where he basically says human rights don't exist, right? It's an imagined order thing. Yeah, we all know this. We came up with human rights. Yeah, sure. But they, we came up with them for a reason and to try to articulate an, a, something that we all feel about humans living in this world and our societies. But the right takes that and they know 
I, I think at least some people know that what he really meant was not we shouldn't have any human rights, but they want to use those words and say, see, they don't exist, therefore we shouldn't pay attention to them. And whether or not they know the perspective that he's coming from doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, so th- this is actually reminding me of another our argument, you know, guns has been talked about recently. I'm seeing stuff online that I don't normally come across. And I have begun to realize how deeply dependent on semantics the right tends to be because they don't have good actual arguments. So they have to say things like guns don't kill people, people kill people, or they get more clever with like, well, if guns kill people, then I guess like cars drive people, right? And and then there are a bunch of other <laughs> examples along that oh, so clever. road. And it's so weak. It's so sad that, okay, that's your argument. It's totally ba- built on semantics. Like we could play that game if you want. Okay, like tools don't build houses. People build houses. But- if you wanted to prevent someone from building a house, you wouldn't have to like convince them or cajole them or send them to therapy. You could just take their tools away and then they couldn't build a house. Like your argument is not good. It's based on semantics so that you feel clever, but it's sand and you scratch beneath the surface and it's just sad and weak. Let's finish up with this one last piece of the George Carlin story, which relates to how much we hate Bill Maher. So there's another paragraph from the article that says <laughs> a new two-part HBO documentary, George Carlin's American dream illustrates how his professional trajectory consisted of numerous ups and downs, multiple efforts to rediscover his voice and refine his material when his personal radar detected he was out of step with the times. Maybe you know where I'm going with this. And then there's a quote from Judd Apatow, quote, he would do that every decade or so at the moment when it seemed like he was out of gas, he would suddenly recharge and reinvent himself. And then I pulled this clip from the documentary, this uh, comedian Patton Oswald, not talking about Bill Maher, but he might as well be talking about Bill Maher. Comedy is about the present and the now. And then life changes and you hopefully as a comedian change and evolve with it. But if you solidify and calcify and go, this is as far as I'm going to go and damn it, I'm still going to say these words, then you're not engaging with the world anymore. You're engaging with a certain moment in time that you have decided to live in forever. And George ran that risk for a while in the 80s of becoming irrelevant. And just to just to reiterate, my favorite story about uh, Bill Maher came from a fan of his who I think tweeted at me saying that, of course, Bill Maher is great and super progressive because he believes everything now that he did in the 90s. And he was super progressive in the 90s, therefore, (laughs) and I responded, I think you're taking the wrong lesson from that true statement you just made. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, they that wasn't a joke on their part? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. That was a defense for real? That, that was a person <laughs> saying, why are you saying bad things about Bill Maher? He's super progressive, and he has been since oh. the 90s. He believes everything now that he did then. And I guess that's why we have... we voted for Joe Biden and, and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all the, all these other people who were nominally on the left in 1994. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden is just as progressive yeah, now that, as he was in 1974 wild. when he <laughs> entered the Senate, probably. I don't actually have that <laughs> memorized. <laughs> when he had like three black friends. When I was watching the documentary about Carlin, I, I kept thinking about, you know, Bill Maher, because like, Bill Maher drop, name drops George Carlin constantly. And he does what white people do with MLK. He's like, if he was alive today, he would say X, Y, and Z. This is what he would have believed. And I'm like, I really, you know, and I couldn't really uh, give an opinion on that until I learned more about who Carlin was. And I'm sure he would have had his issues just like every old white dude does, no matter what side of the spectrum they're on. But I don't think Bill Maher is, I think he thinks he is very much carrying on Carlin's legacy. And after learning more about George Carlin, I think that Carlin probably would have wiped the floor with Bill Maher today. <laughs> I, th- I think we talked about this, uh, but I don't know if we've talked about it in this episode. I can't, I can't really remember, but like George Carlin, he, he did like a series of commercials and he was like, accused of selling out. But I think Amanda, you mentioned mm-hmm. that in that documentary that says like he was having some financial issues. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't like a very rich man. Mm-hmm. And I think that has a lot to do with, especially like Bill Maher, Joe Rogan, Dave Chappelle, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, all, all these kinds of comedians who have become extremely rich, which has for, you know, better or worse, put them in an Island and now they don't get any new feedback. The only people they ever talk to agree with them, or in Joe Rogan's case, he agrees with them because he agrees with everybody who's around him. <laughs> but it, it changes their worldview where there's just not new information coming in. It's it's just this you know constant confirmation bias thrown at them. And with Bill Maher, he was pretty shitty in the '90s, but the rest of us kind of you know. I guess accepted that as more normal. Like the the Jerry Seinfeld joke, the gay everybody's like everybody on their cell phone is like a gay French king and he he tosses his hand up and makes an a feet noise and then the college audiences were so mad at him for it. And it's like that's a funny no, it's not a funny joke. It wasn't it probably wasn't funny then. We shouldn't have thought it was funny then. But maybe a bunch of people in the nineties thought it was funny. Less people now think it's funny. I'm sure you could find an audience of people who are still bigoted enough to think that's funny. But that's the whole thing with like especially comedy. Like it it does shift. Like what's funny today definitely wouldn't have been funny in nineteen twenty. Okay. And what's acceptable in 1920 definitely shouldn't be acceptable in, in 2022. That's just progress. And I think a lot of this is, is ultimately like what conservatism actually is, is yeah. trying to stop progress. I find I was watching, I actually, I watch Bill Maher sort of like, I hate watching him a little bit when a, one of his clips comes through every now and then. And, and I watch it and I just, I don't even, I'm not even like angry. I'm just like, you are so sad. You are so sad. You cannot figure out that the world has moved on without you. The majority of the world has moved on without you. 
And, and to watch him just double down and dig in. And, you know, and then of course, as I said, he talks about Carlin all the time saying, Carlin, you would have been rolling, you're rolling in your grave, you know, like over the latest, you know, thing that he's upset about. And I just, I I mean, look, like there are always going to be people like him. I understand that this is just, there are always going to be holdovers and there's always going to be a market like television audience market for people like that, because there are some people who just don't want to change or evolve or take in new information. But the fact that man has not, will not, it seems be open to anything new. I mean, he really, 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 has made a brand out of staying exactly the same at this point. So he can't, even if he wanted to, I think it's too late for him because in the twilight of his career, he has made it about being the man who does not change his mind about things. He should totally change his mind on. <laughs> One of the best quotes from that article is from Mark Marin talking about that the whole free speech battle that George Carlin was fighting to uh, make sure that comedians and others had free speech. It's a totally different battle than what we're dealing with today. And, you know, he says like that fight was already won. What's going on now is not that fight today. He said, we live in a world where anybody can really say what they want, whether or not anyone believes that or not. (laughs) And he's like, what George Carlin was facing was a literal censorship from the government. And he was arrested like Lenny Bruce for cursing on stage. And that is not what we are dealing with right now. (laughs) The government is not coming in to Netflix specials and tackling the comedian and hauling him away. Like that's not the same fight. (laughs) And uh, I thought that was, that was important to note. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've been calling it basically the Bill Maher effect as people like Jerry Seinfeld or, uh, you know, Dave Chappelle do similar things and fail to progress in in the same way. And, you know, of course, we live in a society of bizarro world perspectives. And, you know, Bill Maher has said in public that he knows that he is now attracting conservatives into his audience. And his take on why that is is that it is proof that the left has gone too far. It's not proof that he can't keep up with the times. It's proof that the left has gone too far. That's why conservatives who I hate and think are terrible and would be terrible to run the country, they now like me. The people who I despise like me. And he doesn't think there's anything wrong with that, which is very strange. Well, in in that example, uh, he has to also believe like he, you know, he has the part where the the left has gone so far, but because he stayed the same, he implicitly believes that the right is becoming more progressive, right? Is is that? Maybe that's it. Because that has to be implied. Right. And that is not the case. It's very obviously not the case. Yeah, no, it's true. I, I it's, it is hard to imagine what is going through his head. Uh, other than, I mean, as you point out, he's not getting, you know, criticism from like n- no one, he, no one in his circle is criticizing him. And so it's only people on the outside. 
so anyway, I, I've been aware of this phenomenon for years and just thought like, okay, that's kind of how it goes. Like you get older, you, you aren't able to keep up with the progress of society. So eventually you're, you're going to fall behind. And like, that's kind of sad, but it's also almost unavoidable. And now I know that George Carlin managed to reinvent himself over and over and over again so that that didn't happen to him. And that Bill Maher is a giant fan of George Carlin. Of course, all of these people are. All of them are fans of George Carlin. But it is as though they missed the single greatest lesson that he could give, which was not any one thing he said. It was that he took the time to consciously decide to evolve over time. And all these people who are taking pride in not evolving and saying that 1990s George Carlin would hate 2022. Yeah, of course he would. But how much would a 2022 George Carlin have evolved? Evidence demonstrates that he probably would have evolved were he still around today? That's it for and today's free so sample. To, to, Paying members are who make this entire show said, possible. And so these bonus episodes are really just a fun way to say thanks to them for their support. In addition to these full bonus episodes, members also get bonus clips ago, in every single regular episode, as well as perks in our Discord community. The Discord community is free for anyone to join, but there's a members-only area where recommendations of all kinds are shared, both from listeners and producers of the show. So if you'd like to be our newest member, you can sign up at bestofleft.com slash support directly from our Patreon page or from right inside the Apple Podcasts app. And if you can't afford a membership, I offer free financial hardship memberships. Just drop me an email to j at bestofleft.com and we will get you all set up no questions asked. Or again, to sign up, visit bestofleft.com slash support. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.